0: hey Tobias you guys had an 18 point lead in the previous game and you had a 26 point in this one why does it seem like the team's having some issues holding on to the leads late in the games
1: it's a great question um you know it's a it's it's yeah I don't know right now I mean that, that's a tough one to answer but Is a tough one to answer, Rich. The Sixers, at one point in game five on Wednesday night, held an 83 to 58 lead with 319 left in the third quarter. All they needed to do was buy a couple minutes there without Joel Embiid in the game, maybe even have him rest in the fourth quarter. They could have gone to Atlanta up three games to two and rightfully asserted their place in the Eastern Conference Finals. Whew. I don't, I mean, like the man said, that is a tough one to answer. That fourth quarter display that they put on there was one of the worst periods of basketball, one of the darkest periods in this franchise's in the lifetime of most of the people listening to this podcast. Uh, That was a tough one. How you doing, Rich? Uh, How are you? Because I know not not many people listening to this podcast are probably doing well. How are you personally doing?
0: I'm still... Shocked. I mean, honestly, it's funny. I was thinking about this last night. The Kawhi shot when they lost that game, that was especially, I think, when it hit me, the fandom had been beaten out of me. Because it It really, I mean, I, I felt very bad for the Sixers just because that's just a brutal way to lose. But that felt like a basketball game to me. It's like, oh, man, tough, tough loss in a basketball game. That game last night, and again, I don't care if they win or lose, was just so unbelievably stunning on so many levels and so painful. It felt like more than a basketball game. Hard to believe, Harry. And I I guess before we get into it, I'll preface it with, look, they have a chance to win the series still they they will play in atlanta for their their lives on friday night so i'm going to try- I don't think they're com- I don't think they're completely out of it no and, and i want to say that because
1: after- because the rest of this podcast is going to be negative that was our tiny bit of positivity
0: and I, and i'm just going to say after that game it is really hard it, that that game makes it impossible to not have final takes on the season to
1: And by the way, if they come back and they win these last two games, I'm not going to give them a ton of credit for it because this is a self-inflicted position they have put themselves in. They should not be down three to two to the Hawks. They should not have blown these last two games. They should not have blown game one. So yeah, maybe you find the resolve to come back and win these last two games. Whoop-de-fucking-do. Your flaws are still your flaws and somebody better than Atlanta is going to take advantage of it.
0: Exactly. That's, That's a perfect point from you. And it's just, I mean, it. I think that is the worst loss I have seen from a Sixers team. And it's, it's unbelievable because they've had two of the other worst losses I've seen from a Sixers team in this series. Um, I, I thought game four, when we were in Atlanta, we didn't pot after, when I was in Atlanta, we didn't pot after that one, was a disaster on so many levels. And they doubled down at home. It was, I, I mean, I don't have a good feel for recent NBA history, but if you can find a, a bigger collapse in a series when a team is favored or B, I know, I know that the coach has been involved in a lot of them. I get it, (laughs) but you know what? I got to say, let's just start right there.
1: You got a lot from a single head nod there, Rich. Yeah. But you know what? Let's say something right now.
0: This is not in the bubble and this is not playing against Nikola Jokic and and Jamal Murray. This is the Hawks. Uh, So that's I I don't know if I can combine a bigger single game choke job. And again, I don't like saying the word choke like I try to be fair with that. No, no, no. That was gag choke, just team shitting their pants. I mean, the whole thing there. That was I mean, that is one of the most horrendous losses I've ever seen. So it's so I guess that's my long way of saying there's going to be some Probably some pretty harsh takes coming here. And I'll just, just, just know. I, I know that they can come back and win the series, but th- they are in some of these. Let's just put it that way.
1: A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And look, that fourth quarter, they were outscored 40 to 19 in that fourth quarter. If you Ugh. extend that another three minutes, when they were up by 25, uh, they were outscored 51 to 23 to end the game. In that fourth quarter, they shot, oh, where is it? <sighs> I've got my notes everywhere. They shot five for 17. Uh, the Hawks shot 16 for 22. And quite frankly, I don't remember those six misses. Uh, I guess they must have happened when I blinked. Uh, the Sixers didn't. Wait, wait. The they, shot, points... they shot five of 17. Who was the Hawks backcourt in that? Uh, in that final <laughs> it was just Trey Young and Lou Williams. Oh. It was Trey Young? And you have Tobias Harris didn't score a point over that stretch. Mm. Ben Simmons had two points. They were foul shots. Um he has taken I think you pointed this out on Twitter. He has taken one shot in the last two fourth quarters. No. No shots. No shots. Nope. No Zero shots. shots. Zero shots, one assist in the last two quarters. He's only scored because of intentional fouls. Um they were just and I mean Joel Embiid wasn't good in the fourth quarter either. Uh, he's going to escape by on criticism a tiny bit because there's other targets to aim at. And by the um, way, but he
0: he should escape by on criticism a little bit. Because he played the best first half I think I've ever seen from him. Yeah ever I get it he sucked in the fourth quarter he did not stop the bleeding I'm sorry he he is not getting this this level of criticism from me what he's doing this on one leg Uh, I'm sorry Yeah, and
1: I I do wonder how much of the uh, second half these last two games are coming down to some combination of fatigue or the knee just wearing down over the course of the game he has not looked the same here down the stretch um, but they needed somebody other than Steph Curry and Steph Curry had his own problems, which we'll get into Steph Curry. They needed, did I say Steph? He's, um, he's look, playing I'm... <laughs> like him.
0: I, I'm not going to get on I you am too much, but
1: on four hours of sleep here and I've got to fly to Atlanta pretty much right when we're done recording this podcast so I can finish watching this, um, either a crazy turnaround, which again, I don't want to give them too much credit for because they don't earn it or they don't deserve it. Um, or, or one of the biggest dumpster fires in recent memory. Uh, this is. You sort of alluded to this. At least in years past, there was something to cling to. You lost in Boston. Okay, that was the first year with Simmons and Embiid. They're learning. You lost to Kawhi. Okay, that was a historic NBA moment. They lost to the future champions. They acquitted themselves well. You lost to Boston the following year. Okay, like, heads got a roll. And also, you were missing Ben Simmons. This is just a freaking train wreck. And these last two games first team in NBA history to blow back-to-back 18-point leads. Unbelievable. In um, Or first team in the last 25 years, I think it was, to blow back-to-back 18-point leads in the playoffs. First time in, I think it was 165 consecutive games, the Sixers, who, who we always talk about blows leads. First time they have blown a lead in 165 games with 25 or more points. It happened in the biggest of Sage with the biggest of consequences. And, uh, I don't even, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of a mess. I don't even know where to start. Do we start with the point guard, the coach, the perimeter score? Like, where do we start? Where do you, where, where do you, wh- what comes to your mind?
0: I want to save the biggest thing in my mind for last. So Ben? That is Ben. So let's not do, let's not do.
1: Let's go let's, so, let's, let's, let's let's with the coach. Let me start with Tobias first. because I, okay. I think, start with
0: Because I think of those three.
1: He's probably the most defensible. Yeah, I think because he's so I think the way I would phrase it, I think he's the most defensible because he played pretty consistently up to this point in the playoffs up to the last six quarters. But also when he does go through these spells, it really does show the rest of the flaws on this roster because you have nobody else to give the ball to if he is not able to generate offense one on one in the half court. Yeah, you have Seth Curry, who was on fire 13 for 19 from the field, seven for 12 from three, 36 points. Incredible on on offense. Again, we'll, we'll get to that defense in a minute. Uh, but other than that, you're relying on Maxi and Milton and just a a post-up scorer who's completely gassed and has only one working leg. You just don't have a team that is constructed to win. And that that's part of it. And this is sort of like what we'll get into with Doc, and I'm all over the place. But like you're watching Atlanta, and they just go five out and give the ball to Lou and attack the weakest def- defender. And the Sixers outside of the bias, don't really have anyone to do that. And that's partly roster construction. But when he is bad, he, the other wards on this team offensively show big time. Yeah. And he was awful. Like he, I, I had to check to make sure he didn't get a DNPCD. He was
0: horrific. And honestly, as, as easy as it is for them to run high pick and roll and attack the weakest defender with Lou, uh, or, or Trey or whoever it is. I'm sorry, Lou and Trey are playing on the other end. Tobias, how are you not putting these guys in the fucking goal? I yeah,
1: Ben too. Like we we spent all last series saying Ben should be able to score whenever he was. It's true in this one too. So
0: yeah, so of those three, I think Tobias is the most defensible. While I can also say that (sighs) he straight up choked in the fourth quarter. He was scared too, and you know he played a bad game. I mean that is an indefensible game like he's probably played two maybe three of those games the only other one I honestly can remember that was that bad was the first game of the year against Washington when he was coming off the terrible season last year and people were killing him I I mean you just can't put up that game in that spot you just (laughs) just can't happen and yeah I don't know I mean he's he's had a, a great year And he's been a great story in a lot of respects. And I just think for him, like the story is just it's a bummer that that happened because I'm not sure it was kind of like to me, the him coming up small in that moment was almost not preordained like the next couple of things we're going to talk about, which we'll get to. But I mean, it was it was a massive problem. If he plays an average game, they win by eight to ten points, probably. For him, he takes advantage of Trey and Lou in the pick and roll. Uh, he runs decent offense with that bench unit instead of just setting the scoreboard on fire. It was a, uh, I mean, it, you know, he, he was, that, that quote after the game, you know, that's a good question. I, look, I'm not going to. I'm not gonna kill him too much no, for that. No, because
1: I mean, to, to be honest, like the the he then paused for a couple seconds and came back with a pretty good answer, but like it was it was very indicative of what happened.
0: Also, on, what on what are you gonna 20. say? What are you gonna say after that? That's good, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's,
1: no, it's true. it's Ten
0: minutes after you choked away the biggest game of your life in in an unbelievable fashion, and the whole team did, but but Tobias did as well. I don't, you know, it's it's like when Tobias is playing well, it's just like man, you know, he's scoring like he's. Uh, you know he's taking advantage of some mismatches. Those things. There's not a lot of detail you can talk about in his game. So in this way, I just like yeah, it was bad. Like he just he didn't affect the game at all in that uh, in that manner. So that, that's I don't really have quite as much on him. It was a horrific performance in that spot, though.
1: It was a very damaging performance that I can defend more than the other two people will talk about. It's just the best way I can describe it. And like I said. When Tobias doesn't have it going, then Ben's flaws become even more pronounced. You start relying on people you shouldn't really be relying on. You can't take Seth Curry out. You know, remember when they um, they brought in George Hill and the Sixers spent the next couple of days privately and publicly talking about, oh, we can put five defenders on a court. Well, you couldn't because you were playing like George Hill's not giving you enough, and you needed Seth Curry's offense desperately. Um, but Ben or Lou Williams shot over him. Time and time and time and time again in that fourth quarter. I think Lou had 13 in that third qu- or in that fourth quarter. I don't know if he missed it. He-, he shot six for eight for 13 in that fourth quarter. Really sparked them. Um, uh, Seth Curry has been picked on the entire second round here. Just yep. Defensively, he has been abused constantly, and you couldn't take him off the floor because he was legitimately the only source of reliable offense that you had. Um, In that third quarter, especially, you know, there was a point they came out in that third quarter, looked like complete dog shit. Uh, they, they had three turnovers right to start the third quarter. Uh, I think six turnovers there in the first half of the third quarter. Seth Curry got hot and he shot them back into it, helped extend the lead. They shouldn't have been up by that much. They looked bad, but Seth Curry bailed them out. You needed him in there. I get it. But his flaws were exposed and they're exposed in part because you can't really go with that 5 defender lineup because then you have zero offense.
2: As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TA BASKETBALL and you'll get a 1 year subscription to The Athletic. Plus, up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABasketball. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana... Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABasketball and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager.
0: How do you waste a 36-point performance from Seth Curry? He was... Look, he got picked on by Lou in the final quarter. It was bad. I mean, he's been getting picked on bad on the defensive end. And
1: Beat and Curry combined for 73 points. That is a monster number. Yeah,
0: I, and that's what I mean. Like, as much as we could talk about him getting picked on and he got lit up by Lou in the fourth quarter, it doesn't matter. He was phenomenal, how good he was. It. What. What a joke. And, you know, honestly, the story of these last two games... Has been Seth Curry bailing their ass out and giving them more chances than they should. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean the the game before. Think about the beginning of game four where Trey Young is. I mean he's not even like hitting the backboard on some of these floaters that he makes all the time. You have every chance to run that team out of the gym, and instead you just let the Hawks win the math battle. They out tough you. That that is what's what's brutal about this series. They are getting out. Tuft? Out-thought? I mean, this is, a, th- this is a mentally weaker team that has been through millions of playoff and situations they're the compared. They're, they're older. Yeah. They're more talented. And I had people in the mentions last night when I mentioned, like, yeah, they're still more talented. And they're like, we're not. It, the, the classic Twitter guy thinks, we're not more talented. Yes, you are. You are absolutely yeah. more talented. I'm not hearing that. So... To waste that Seth Curry performance is uh, is brutal. And you nailed it. Like, to start the third quarter, look, you're up 20 points at halftime. You have Embiid absolutely rolling and just... I mean, that, that first half, he he made Capella look Drummond-esque. Probably, yeah. probably worse than Drummond, honestly. Like, he was going at him on both sides of the floor...
1: So, like, because I had the podcast this morning and then traveled to fly to Atlanta pretty much right after that, I had much of my, like, I was writing throughout the game last night, and nobody cares about us having to shelve an article. But, like, the article was going to be about, like, Joel Embiid's historic performance and how he was making a defensive player of the year caliber defender just look completely outmatched and outclassed. And we had to, like, that narrative is so completely gone. And it's a shame because Joel Embiid was. Just, I mean, one of the, like you said, it might've been the best first, best performance that first half, the best I've ever seen Joel look. And look, he's not blameless in the fourth quarter for sure. But you need to have enough depth, enough execution, enough other offensive options, enough defense to hold that lead, even if he does start struggling and they didn't, and they didn't. Yeah,
0: I don't like when people do, like, I understand that you kind of go with your best player. I don't think this is that scenario. They're letting the big guy down right now. It's just, it's what it is. Like At some point, you need a little bit of help from your coach, from your co-stars, from your bench, and you got none of that last night. Seth Curry was the only person who helped him in any way possible. So, like, you know, if you want to look at this whole, the the anatomy of this collapse, it didn't start really until the end of the third quarter when they started losing the lead, but it really started at the beginning of the third quarter because they're up 20 points. They have Embiid on the floor. They have Curry humming, and he's making every shot possible, but they barf all over themselves. They turn the ball over, like you said, it was six or seven times in a five to six minute span. You just can't have that. You can't do that shit in in a playoff game. There's no reason to do that against this Atlanta team and it was a, a precursor for what we were going to see moving forward. I mean, like, look, their defense was okay during that stretch, and Seth was yep. on fire. He was bailing them out. Uh, but then you, you hand it over to the bench, and I guess we Oof. should get into that now. Doc, Doc Rivers bench. I and mean,
1: you know what? After the game, Doc was like, I thought they were fantastic in the first half. Get out of here. No, they weren't. They were a fucking disaster in the first half. Atlanta just missed shots over a four-minute stretch. Um, That was a—with the way Atlanta was shooting, that bench should have been able to extend the lead instead of Moraine pretty much flat. The Sixers, I think they scored like five points over a four-minute stretch. It's just Atlanta's offense was just as bad. And that wasn't a stretch where I thought the Sixers were playing particularly good defense. I think they got largely lucky. Shake Milton hit a a prayer three-pointer to give them like half of their points. They did not execute well at all offensively. The bench was bad in both halves. Uh, I am not buying that they were good in the first half and bad in the second half. And by the way, they were a disaster in the second half. Like that third quarter and early fourth quarter run. And after the game, Doc was like, oh, we had to bring our starters in early. And that threw off our rotations. And like, So I looked up the stats. Tobias and bench units in the regular season averaged 108.6 points per 100 possessions. It's something in like the 20th percentile of all lineups. It's really bad offense. They were propped up because of that defense that we talked about for much of the season uh, that we didn't think was going to be able to sustain itself in the playoffs. Newsflash, it hasn't. Sixers or that group is averaging 108 points per one-armed sessions in the playoffs offensively. The problem is their defense is now giving up like 119. So they are like a negative 10 or 11. I don't have the stats in front of me. Somewhere in that range, net rating here in the playoffs. And it was entirely predictable. It was entirely predictable that when you got Dwight Howard in the playoffs, put him in space against a team like Atlanta, his defense wasn't going to have the impact, the offensive limitations were still going to be there, that unit has been a disaster. For Doc to be shocked that they're not able to hold leads, and look, this is where I will give Doc a little bit of a way out. There's not really a great option no. when Joel Embiid's off the court. I don't, I and I say here sometimes, and I go through, okay, well, Forget just to buy some bench. Like, what group of starters can you put on there to stabilize that second unit? And maybe with you throw Danny Green and Seth Curry on there, and it, then maybe you can stagger it more, play the starters a little less together, stagger it more, throw George Hill in there. Uh, maybe you can find but, it. But by the way, Danny Green's not here, and George Hill's been a disaster. George, George Hill is
0: absolutely killing them. That's just all I want to He's say. He's killing them, and I, I
1: think him. part of it, like me, I think George Hill might be a little better if you're playing alongside more starters and not asked to stabilize a group like that, but he has not been good. Um, But so uh, while I will concede that Doc doesn't have many great options, he hasn't really tried all that many. He keeps going back to this group that fails and fails and fails. And every now and then he lucks into something. And quite frankly, Shake Milton in game two, I think, bailed him out. I don't think that was so much Doc pulling the right strings as just Shake Milton's one good quarter of play in the last month and a half happened coincide with exactly when they needed it. He's turned back. He had a good quarter in game but four two fine. He's turned back agree. into a pumpkin here. Uh, and the bench problems are still there. They are ever present. I think doc gets fooled by these brief glimpses where one of his young guards looks passable and he's overlooking the larger overarching trend that that group is just barfing all over themselves. It is very frustrating to watch. But the, I mean, it, it, and I, again, the biggest complaint I'll have with doc is he's tried very little to rectify that. Yeah. And and but that you know let, let's let's
0: call it out for what it is. There are no other legitimate center options on this team right now. Tony Bradley got traded for George Hill. I would love to see Tony Bradley play in some of these Dwight minutes. But I would also yep. love to see a stretch five play in these minutes, which is something yeah. we've talked about for a long time. They don't have it. It's just I mean it's. Look, but it, Then
1: again, part of the reason you want to stretch five to play with the, that lineup anyway is so you can get Ben on there and you can have a Ben Toby second unit Saturday. Well, Ben's not doing shit anyway. And would he do shit with a stretch five? I don't know. He's so far in his head and we haven't even gotten him yet. I don't know if that would stabilize things like it did in past years anyway.
0: Yeah. It's uh look he's got limited options, but he did not experiment during the season. And, and you have a bench that is more up and down. I, I would say it's been mostly down, but weirdly all of these guys can have their shake Milton games their their Maz games their maxi games but they've just been i mean you just can't have that like the starters don't play a good third quarter they tread they tread water you can't have it so when like the starters tread water for a quarter you play i don't know 4 minutes and it's 13 to 2 yeah it's the same problem his team has had. I don't know what Dwight's plus minus is for this series. I'm sure in the Atlanta games, it was okay for a little while. I Monrovian? Mean, it, yeah, it is Monrovian. It's exactly that. He, I'm sorry. It's not just Dwight's fault. Like He is a limited player. It's more that they just can't run any offense whatsoever with these guys. I mean, their offense, their process, the the lack of just putting any pressure on the rim whatsoever... Last night, I mean, it, it was like a high school AAU level offense. It was horrible. So you look at Dwight's plus minus last night. I don't think this is all his fault. But when you're minus fourteen in the nine non-Joel minutes, yeah. I mean, what the fuck are we doing here? Like yeah. this is—you just can't have that. It's—it's it's so bad. And the way they run out, its it has been really clear that that bench unit with Tobias. Tobias had one good game with that bench unit, game three, where he ran pick and roll and he he found Dwight and all of these people. If Tobias is not playing out of his mind, that bench unit is relying on terrible shots. It just and it's it's crazy to me that they can't run a pick and roll at Lou Williams with George Hill. George Hill, you're not good enough to do that, and I'm not sure he is. I, I like honestly, he's been so tentative and so bad in this series that that I'm not sure he is good enough. But yeah, for Doc to just not have. The answers. It's been it's been rough, and I'll say for him, like, look, so some of these problems are are beyond him, and look, he's just a coach. I mean, this is the worst coach series I have seen, yeah, since sure. the Sixers have made the playoffs. Like, for sure, Br- Brett Brown it's not even close. Never had close. a series like this ever, where when you just adjust for the Sixers' talent level versus their opponent's talent level. It's not even close. This is the worst one I've ever seen. And I mean, I think honestly, like you look back at the, the game one is probably where he should get most of his shit for. And that's that's fair. That's why you you can't screw up a game plan and, and just completely give one game away. Yep. Should they still win the series? Yeah, but
1: you 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 can't come into game one having not prepared for the other team's best player, because eventually, like even if you adjust halfway into game one, that's enough to cost you a very winnable game. Next thing you know, you have one or two collapses, yada yada yada. You are in the moment of another historic beatdown. Um,
0: I mean, this is unbelievable. Like he's he's going to be a part of if they lose the series. Since since he won the title, let's like let's just put a, put that out there. It's got to be the three biggest collapses ever in a.
1: Well, he he hasn't gotten out of the second round since what the Celtics, right? And, and we're talking about three all-time teams. all-time
0: meltdowns yeah. too. The the Rockets yeah. won. Meltdown, Nuggets. The Nuggets meltdown, and I mean, I gotta say, like, I know the Sixers are, are probably a little bit worse than those teams, those Clippers teams that he coached. This is what this is way up there.
1: But the Hawks are way worse. That's than what I the mean. Nuggets from last year, yeah. So I mean, you're losing. And you were up. You're losing you were to an 18 in the second half of Game Four in a series. You're up two to one, and now you're on the brink of elimination.
0: You're losing to a team, and honestly, like. I want to just shout out to the Hawks. They should feel great about those wins because they just they took them from the Sixers, and obviously the Sixers gave them away, but I, I, the amount of confidence they should have going into Game 6 by just being the mentally stronger team, I, that's got to feel great. But they, ultimately, they are not a very good second-round opponent. I'm sorry, they're not.
1: No, they're not. <laughs> And I have a feeling we'll get some Hawks fans who are listening to this podcast because they care about the series. And look, you're having a great season. The way that you withstood a Joel Embiid Embiid haymaker there in the first quarter and came back, it's admirable. I don't have anything really against the players who are competing. You're just, you're missing some things to really be what you would consider to be a finals contender. And this is a Sixers team who many build as a finals contender who have a much more complete two-way roster the Sixers are making very... Uh, and look, when we used to have these debates about... I don't care about talking about the Hawks that much right now. Um, Maybe another podcast. We'll give the Hawks fans their due. They can come back and listen to it. We'll advertise. Maybe, fine.
0: maybe if they lose the series... We'll have like a Hawk segment on the offseason bots, you know, like we'll sure. we'll talk about sure. them just like they're a normal basketball team and it'll probably be, be very complimentary we'll, for the most part.
1: We'll let Brad Rowland tweet it out and we'll get all sure. you back on. Fine. Absolutely. Fine. But right now we have to talk about Sixers. We are a Sixers podcast. And when you and I used to talk about coaching in previous years uh, and a lot of the people who did not like Brett Brown would get on us, say we overrate him, we defend him at all costs a big part of it was that we think teams take on the identity of their stars. And a lot of the problems are inherent in their roster and the coach is just the easiest person to blame. And you look at this and a lot of what Doc Rivers was supposed to solve, getting more out of Ben Simmons, stopping these second half meltdowns, stopping teams from being able to game plan against the Sixers in the second round, developing a base strategy that will cover up some of the flaws. They're still fucking here. And that goes back to our point Coaches have a limited ability to overcome the warts of the roster. That is a lot of what we talked about with Brett Brown. I think Doc Rivers is a better coach than Brett Brown. But I think at the end of the day, players on the court matter. That being said, these two collapses have been epic. And when you have a 26-point lead, and look, it's you know we spend a lot of time talking about Ben Simmons and can a good defense in the playoff game plan around his weaknesses. And even as Ben Simmons was having his great middle of the season that he always has every year, we oh, you and I always came back to that. Well, we got one thing very wrong. Apparently, it doesn't take a great defense to game plan for his weaknesses. It just takes a seven-game series. And for Doc Rivers to have two very exploitable perimeter defenders, in Lou Williams and Trey Young, and not be able to get them into anything even remotely resembling a half-court offense... Really a That is a really, really bad performance. Game one was a really, really bad performance on Doc Rivers' part. Do I think a lot of these problems are inherent because you've got very little uh, perimeter shot creation, a point guard who can't touch the ball, and a post-up center who's gassed and tough to run post-up offense through? Yeah, of course. But he has not done anything to stem any of those tides. And and again, like you brought up, this is where you go back to game one and the first half of game one. You can't give a, a game away because shit could happen later on down the series. I,
0: I mean, the, the offense, the defense in the first half of game one and the offense in the second half of game five. On him. Well, I, I, yeah, and I, like, look, we're we're going to get into bed now. But at some point, like, call something to exploit those two small, terrible defensive players. I mean, he scored 18 points in the or 19 points in the, the fourth quarter. And let's not even give him credit for that because one of those was a Curry bullshit shot at the end.
1: Seventeen yeah. points! What is going on? Are you kidding me? And two of them were intentional fouls from Ben. Oh
0: wow. it's uh,
1: they they scored like legitimately like fifteen or seventeen half court points there,
0: and they looked completely lost trying to get into their sets on offense. I mean, come on, Doc. That's that's not a good enough performance for him. But like en- enough, Doc. He's because I'm sorry. We could talk about the bench. We could talk about Tobias. We could talk about Doc. We could talk about Joel losing steam in the second half a little bit. That's fine.
1: You're all skirting around the main issue.
0: Look, I- I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> what in the last two fourth quarters? We we said it already, but I, I got to say this again. <laughs> Seventeen minutes, zero shots. Only one assist, and that's because he got an offensive rebound. And he, <laughs> yeah. he kicked it out the cork for a terrible shot that went in. I mean, what, what are you supposed to do with that?
1: I, I, I mean... Wh- and by the way, he's the only one on the team that can really dribble and pass. What are you supposed to do with that? That, that is that is being it's
0: so uninvolved. I mean, my God, if you know people get on Giannis or, or Tobias or... Some of these people who are zero for five, he's not even trying. Like he's not, he's not involved. And I mean, like honestly, we talk about Doc should be able to run a play to exploit those weaker defenders. But ben Simmons does not want the ball late in the game. No, he doesn't.
1: He so. And I, ho- I hope people realize, like you and I, don't make statements like that lately. I think I think most people listening to this podcast regularly understand that. Like there is, we are. Conservative in saying stuff like that. But if you watch these last two games and think he is not terrified of having the ball late in the fourth quarter of a big game, I don't know what you're watching.
0: What, what are we supposed to do with that? And I mean, I feel like we've been very consistent on Ben over the years, in, in that, like, you know, praise him when he does well in the regular season. But we've always mentioned this that he wants to win the game on his own terms. He wants to be a drive and kick guy. He wants to play fast and he has had a problem. You mentioned the, the four, the three previous playoff losses. He, he was given that first series against Boston. He was given the key to, this is what you have to work on against a set half court defense in the second round of the playoffs. You need to figure out a way to be a involved, score, pass, whatever it is, to not be shut down.
1: F- that was four years ago.
0: Yeah, it was four years ago, and you know how much
1: progress he has made on that? None. He's worse. He's worse. Not because yeah. he, not because he's gotten worse, but because the league has figured out exactly what you do to take advantage of him. Yeah. And I mean, this is
0: honestly like the amount of. Talk about his defensive player of the year and his, you know, his passing and his pace. And like, I want to get this out of the way. Like we saw last year what happens in the playoffs when you don't have Ben Simmons. Like he, he provides Sixers with a certain floor with those things, but I'm sorry. Like he got lucky last year by not playing because he would have played like this against the Boston Celtics on offense. Maybe it would have been a closer series because he guarded Tatum, but he has never made the strides whether that's a jump shot, whether that's attacking the rim at all costs, to score against a set half-court defense in the second round of the playoffs. And by the way, this is not even a good one. This is not the Toronto Raptors. And he he skated by on a couple things. One, Boston, it was his first year. Toronto was his second year, and they had Jimmy Butler, which made it a little more palatable for him to not have the ball at all times. And his third year, he didn't play. We are in the same spot. He was four years ago, and he has nobody but himself to blame. He is the same he has the same exact issues as four years ago, and I gotta say it was the most predictable thing you've when you when you look at this regular season and the regular season, I think, is a time to build habits, to work on things, to get better for when these games really matter. If you watched his offensive regular season, Honestly, there was no doubt this was coming.
1: Well, I will push back a little bit on there just because I thought it would take a defense better than Atlanta's to expose it. Fine. This was always in the back of my mind that, you know, Boston, if Jalen Brown didn't get hurt or Miami, if they advanced, which when they got the draw, you know, they wouldn't because they're playing Milwaukee, Miami, if they met them in a second round or even Milwaukee in the conference finals, one of these teams would be able to exploit Ben's weaknesses. I never in a, I, th- I thought Atlanta was going to be a repeat of the Washington series. we were all in, oh, look how strong Ben looks. He's attacking in the half court. Atlanta has nobody to defend him. He's turned a corner. He's having success in the second round. We ne- he's never had before. He's made a jump. I thought that was going to be the narrative when he came into this series because Atlanta is a disaster on defense. We see it in the first quarter of every game. They have no chance of stopping the Sixers when they're executing well for Ben to go into a shell and look, we can talk all we want about skill development and it's huge. And like a lot of people and myself included, be like, well, he's working on his free throws. He is, he still has the same train wreck form that he's always had. He's never been willing to modify that form, overhaul that form. And I think part of that could be impacting his confidence issues, but taking, moving back from the skill, he's just, there's no, there's no confidence. He has no interest in having the ball at the free throw line and the half court anywhere where they could put him on the free throw line. And it is a massive, massive concern. And for all of the people, why do you keep asking about Ben's free throws? Why do you keep bringing this up? Why do you care about the intentional foul when it didn't matter in that series against Washington? Well, because it was very clear that this was in his head and another team was going to try it. And that four for 14 from the free throw line was a very realistic possibility. What is going on? Four for
0: 14 from the free throw line? What,
1: what is this? God, Doc Rivers is taking him out of every game. Every game he's being pulled out of because he can't make a free throw. He's and getting, again... And
0: by the way, he's getting applauded like he's... Mar- uh,
1: Markel Fultz style. Yeah,
0: like he's like a fan shooting half-court shots or three-pointers during a a stoppage. I mean,
1: ugh, how, how embarrassing. free it. Wendy's because he made a free throw, yeah. Um. And look... <sighs> You you can't you can't be shooting thirty percent from the free throw line in the NBA playoffs. And again, part of this problem is that the Sixers have no real other. And part of the reason that the Sixers half court offense looks so freaking clunky and disastrous in the second half is because they don't really have anyone else who's capable of getting them into sets. Like Tobias Harris was running pick and roll. You mentioned a little while ago. Tobias Harris is not point guard. He's not even close to resembling a point guard. He might have stretches where he's not a terrible passer. He's not getting you into half-court offense. Seth Curry can make a shot. He's not a point guard. He's not getting in. By point guard, I, I really don't even mean shooter or scorer. I mean decision maker. I mean somebody who can get you. You can throw the ball into their hands, and they will calm you down. They will get you into your sets. Ben is the only one on the team who can get them into their sets, except he can't touch the freaking ball. And for all everyone who said, oh, it's not a big deal, don't worry about it, you're only real decision maker can't handle the ball in the fourth quarter of games it's a it's a concern it's a concern. no 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 Follow it's lines. it's a
0: catastrophe like i and, and as much as i'll hear well they didn't put a point guard around him and it's true the the roster building around him over the years has been
1: George Hill was not enough has been not bad
0: enough. and and this year it's not good enough i'm sorry like the fact that they don't have a a top level point guard it's it's not an excuse for the fact that he's going to make you play 4 on 5 anyway in, in a in a playoff scenario. Yeah. He Okay, fine. Y- you have a better point guard. Guess what? He's standing in the dunker spot literally uninvolved. And you just wonder like does he think like nobody'll notice that? Like it, it's just when it's okay, I never got better at this one specific thing that was very clear to be important. I'll just do nothing and hope nobody notices. And, you know, I got to say, he's like, Mr. I just want to win. I'm being unselfish. No, you never got better at the very important thing. I mean, look, like he, he deserves a ton of blame. But honestly, this series is a culmination of four years of not getting better at that specific thing. And maybe he never could get better. Maybe he's just such a bad shooter. And just not a natural finisher. But I'm not buying that. I think he should be better than this. And
1: Well, certainly in terms of finishing, attacking mismatches in the half court. Like, we see him do that all the time. He can be more aggressive in the half court. In terms of shooting, maybe he's not a natural shooter. But I would have liked to have seen more effort in fixing and correcting his fundamental flaw. Like, it's one thing when a bad shooter goes to the free throw line. Or when a, when a guy with a bad form goes to the free throw line, but he's a good shooter. Like, maybe you don't overhaul Sean Marion's form when he's making his threes back in the Suns days, back when we didn't have high standards on three-point shooting and he looked passable. Maybe you don't fix form when it's broken form when it's working. His form has never worked. His form has never yielded results. Why are we so resistant to changing it and fixing the fundamental flaws in his shooting mechanics? I don't, I don't know. And that's where I give him not so much, is he putting in the repetition, but is he open to overhauling that form? It's. I mean, they got to get better. You got to get
0: better. There are a lot of quotes over the years that just stick out to me. There is the Joel Embiid. Somebody's got to get out of their comfort zone. There's that one from, from last year. There's, there's the Brett Brown. I want one corner three per game. There's the Doc Rivers. Endless stream of quotes that appreciate Ben and don't point out this very obvious thing. I mean, like it's it's unbelievable. Like the, the idea that Doc Rivers would hold Ben Simmons accountable and change things, that pre season narrative, I mean, has there ever been anything that's been more wrong about that? This is this is the worst offensive season of Ben Simmons' career. And you just have
1: Doc Rivers cheerleading for him the entire time and insulting people's intelligence and you know it's- he, he did he did finally admit last night that it would be beneficial if they didn't have to take him out of the games. He did, he did say that after after calling us crazy for saying, "Do you have to take Ben out?" And and like, look, so as much as that's kind of a,
0: a dig on Doc, we said this before the season. Now you have two coaches, right? Now, you know, Doc Rivers is, regardless of his playoff meltdowns, he's coached some very good players and had a lot of offensive success with some of these players. And frankly, like, you look at Joel, you look at Tobias, like, he he certainly is not harming those guys for, for most of the season. At some point, it's the players. At some point, it's you. And that's, honestly, we probably should have been there before now. And, look, during the regular season, we can't have a podcast and say, Ben's going to melt down the playoffs. I know this is going to happen. It's just not a normal way to live or, or talk about <laughs> basketball. But I'm just saying, like, this was very predictable considering how he hasn't gotten better at that stuff during the regular
1: seasons and, and all of those things. So that's what I got on Ben. That being said, they could come out. I could see them winning game six, bring it back home. Sure. Never freaking know. absolutely. They they are the better team and they show that at times in the first half. Uh, They then implode in the second half, but like there's, they, when they have their foot on the gas and they're destro- and Joel Embiid is just the destroyer of worlds, like they could, Joel Embiid come out in game six and drop 45 points. He's going to he, he's gonna have to Completely dominant. He's, gonna to. he's going to have to drop 60. He's got to keep going. could wake up um, and they could certainly steal game six. You come back with game seven and momentum. They could skate by. The fundamental problems of this team are not going anywhere. That was just, Two of the biggest gut punches I have ever seen, and, and, and to all the fans out there, like like you mentioned, like you and I get to divorce ourselves from the emotion of it a little bit. I can still be frustrated because, quite frankly, I hate watching bad basketball. Um, but we get to divorce ourselves from the emotions of it. I do feel bad for all of the people listening to this podcast who had their freaking mental ridiculous. health yeah. tied to this freaking team. It's, ugh. Well, and the other thing too
0: is like losing in the playoffs was never going to be fun for fans or fun to cover. I gotta say if they just got lost in five or something or six to a Brooklyn team, that was just a little bit better. I really think how you go out in the playoffs. I know there's kind of like a championship or bus mentality and maybe a person can feel that way. Like, okay, they never were going to be this good. I'm sorry. Like if you go out to a worse team, to me, that makes a much bigger difference. And that's a tough one. I mean, that was that certainly was the worst Sixers loss I can remember. Just I, I get that the Kawhi shot was was tough and all that. That heartbreaking. That heartbreaking. felt like a basketball game, though. That felt like the Sixers lost a basketball game. Where okay, coin flip game. Both teams really good, defending the hell out of each other. You lost on a coin flip, flip and it sucked. This felt like a moment. This felt like
1: yeah. This is a, a referendum. This is a if they don't come back and win this series. This You will remember this series we talked about for years and years and decades. This is like legitimate infamy stuff. This is stuff that Phillies fans from the 60s are still having nightmares about. It's amazing.
0: This is like Rondé Barber intercepting Donovan McNabb oh. and, and running it back all the way when the Eagles, like, <laughs> when, when they were closing down the back.
1: Who, who who was the other one with the big catch? Jerovicious? Yeah. Jerovicious that was running down the Joe Jerovicious,
0: like... But yeah, I still remember Barry Gardner, the the backup middle linebacker, trying to trying to chase him. <laughs> wasn't wasn't happening. That'll that'll be quite a, a blast from the past for some people. But yeah, this is. I mean, this this could be really bad. And so th- that is what the Sixers' stakes are right now. They they go to Atlanta. You will be in the house, and their stakes are. They can either win. Or they can live in infamy for the rest of their careers not not necessarily these individual players I'm sure they'll they'll all have good careers maybe here elsewhere whatever but this collective this, this collective group yep. they will be known as the team that choked away a series that they had no business
1: choking away. that's what the stakes are and it's I feel bad saying that but it's true they couldn't score against Trey Young and Lou Williams what are we doing here what are we doing here <sighs>
0: Do you, do you think there's any chance they can come back?
1: I mean, I, honestly, I, I still think that they're talented, more talented than 30% them. 30% chance? Yeah. I think there's a non zero chance. Yeah. Well, do I have any that's faith? That's to win the no, series? No, I don't. It might be lower, maybe 20%, but it's it's not zero. Yeah. It's not zero. Um, do I have any faith? No. Because how are they going to avoid. Like, why would you watch them collapse these last two games and have any real faith? Yeah, you're 30 percent's too high. Get. Fifteen to twenty percent. Fifteen to twenty
0: percent. I just don't uh, understand I, how you come back from that mentally, from those two losses. I mean, it's insane. Like, I so if they would have won last night, right? If they would have just not played Embiid in the fourth quarter because the bench had a good stretch and they avoided the worst loss we've ever seen, I would have come on this pod and been like, "This series should be over by now." Yeah, this is ridiculous. And now, yeah. and now. They have to win in seven if they're gonna win I mean guys I, I I cannot emphasize this enough this would be one of the worst series losses I've I've ever seen just, just
1: horrible horrible Ugh. yeah I got I got nothing else. I got nothing uh, let's wrap up this bad boy I can get on a plane and head down to freaking Atlanta uh hotland uh yeah I think it's supposed to be in the mid 90s tomorrow mm. super exciting super exciting um but Thank you, Rich, for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon, buddy. See you, man.